You're listening to the Make It British podcast. I'm Kate Hills, and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. In 2008, I gave up my 20-year career as a fashion buyer because I was disillusioned with how much was being sourced overseas, and I set out to uncover some of the amazing businesses that are still making in the UK. Since founding Make It British, I've discovered that there is not only still tons of manufacturing taking place in Britain, but that it's a thriving industry. I invite you to join me each week when I'll be chatting to inspiring British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offering advice to product-based businesses that make in the UK. So with no further ado, let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode number 239 of the Make It British podcast. I have got three really special guests on the show today. All three lovely ladies I've actually been working with in our British Brand Accelerator coaching program. All three of them have got successful businesses that sell products that are made in the UK. And the one thing that they've all got in common is that they offer standout customer service. So I thought it'd be really good to get them on the show today to give you some of their behind the scenes customer service secrets. So let me introduce Linda DeRuta from The Slow Wardrobe, Sue Longmore from Morden Fox and Kate Barker from Lime Tree Design. And if you want to watch the video version of this interview, pop over to the Make It British YouTube channel where you can not only catch up with the recording of this interview, but also catch me live every Tuesday at 1pm where I'll either be interviewing guests or it'll be a solo show where I'll be giving you tips and advice for making in the UK, just like on this podcast, but with the added bonus that you can also ask me questions live if you pop on live. So subscribe to the Make It British YouTube channel, press the little bell to notify you when we go live, and then you have the opportunity to ask me questions every week, Tuesday at 1pm. Now let's go over to the interview with Linda, Sue and Kate. Hi ladies, how are you all? Hi. Hello, very Thank well. You Thank you so much for joining me, Linda, Sue, and Kate. So, shall we start just with a quick intro of what your business does, uh, what it is that you sell, particularly what you sell that's made in the UK? So, should we start with you, Linda? I sell a collection of uh, women's wear, all made out of linen and made in the UK. Brilliant. Brilliant. And shall we go over to you, Sue? Tell everyone what it is you do. Okay, so I'm from Malden Fox and we design and make British tweed clothing for ladies and gents with an urban country chic bent sort of like. Brilliant. And it is urban country chic as well, isn't it? You've just come straight back from a show, haven't you, Sue? I have, yeah, from Burley Horse Trials. (laughs) Brilliant. And finally, over to you, Kate, just introduce who you are and what your business sells. So I'm from Lime Tree Design. Um, uh, we sell quite a mix of things from lavender bags uh, to a clothing range uh, using block print. And we also have a jewellery range. So it's a bit of a mix, really. Brilliant. I've been helping you make some of that in the UK, haven't I? I'm really yeah, we're, we're working um, uh, on a with a range Liberty work mate manufacturing in the UK. Brilliant. So as I said before, I think all of you, one thing you have in common and that has grown your businesses successfully is the customer service that you offer. 
And part of that is about knowing who your customer is. So can you all tell me, and let's start with you, Linda, how did you go about working out who your ideal customer was? Uh, Well, I started um, my business in 2008 and initially it had nothing to do with clothes. It was all about selling uh, yarn, knitting needles and knitting patterns that were my own designs. And I used to make the clothes that I'm selling to everybody now just for myself. And people at the shows kept asking, where did you buy that? And after saying, well, you can't really, I made it for myself for six months or so, I thought, hang on a minute, there's clearly a need for this. So I started making the clothes that I was wearing and started selling them to the people that I saw at the shows. And a lot of those ladies are in my own age group and were really frustrated for very similar reasons that I had to make my clothes for myself, um, as in not being able to find the kind of clothes that they wanted to wear. And with seeing me wear uh, the clothes that I was really comfortable in, they they wanted a bit of that. So that's what I started giving them. So my first ideal customer was me, I guess. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, that is, you, you know, you got the, the request from the customers first for the sort of product that they wanted and then you you offered to them it to them and you knew them exactly. Um, so how about you? How did you, when you first started Morden Fox, find out who your ideal customer was? Well, um, similar to Linda, really, our ideal customer was ourselves and it sort of carried on like that, really, because when we moved to the country, um, kind of like looking at everyone and thinking when we started the old country pursuits, like why is everyone wearing like bag clothing really? So sort of like very unshaped tweed clothing. So we kind of started from there really. And um, so I sort of feel like all our customers are our friends. So they are sort of of a similar type to ourselves really. Brilliant. And you totally understand them because of that. And I can see as well in the background, point out to everyone, actually to all of you, what, you've got one of your products in the background, so has Linda. And Brilliant. actually what we did quite early on was actually come up with our taglines. So one of them is practical with flair, which kind of like all our clothing has to be really practical, but with a bit of a design edge. So we actually came up with our strap lines early on and like the urban country chic. So it um, tweed with a twist. So they really help define our designs and our customers. Yeah, brilliant. And Kate, how about you? Because you sell quite a diverse range of products. So finding your ideal customers kind of evolved over time, hasn't it? Yeah, it's very much evolved. I mean, to start with, they found me because I was um, doing face-to-face selling and um, they liked what I did and and it sort of became a sort of conversation. I'd see them quite regularly. Um, but I think over time that's kind of um, developed and I now have uh, wholesale as well as retail clients. And so um, that's slightly different that the people are the same, but, but there's slightly different requirements in terms of customers. Mm, yeah, because a lot of your customers are international as well, aren't they? Yeah. I mean, I think it, it really boils down to understanding their needs. So um, and because I'm more gift-based rather than fashion-based, it's it's actually I need a gift for my niece, my daughter, whatever, and, and what they might like 
to give them. So it's understanding the world that they live in and the kind of the needs they have, really. Hmm. And what channels do you all use as the main way that you reach your customers? I mean, for Linda, I know for you, one of those is YouTube, isn't it? What other ways do you use to reach your customers? Well, I still do a couple of the shows that I used to do when I was all about the yarn and the needles. Um, And I still have some yarn, part of it linen. Um, So I do like one or two shows a year and the rest is all online sales in combination with sending out regular newsletters, having a presence on social media and doing um, a twice a month podcast um like tv program if you like on youtube youtube which is all about the clothes but you know big part of the customer services go a a step further and talk about styling those clothes fitting them into your wardrobe and that kind of stuff this is a good opportunity to give a plug for your channel then linda just for anyone watching what's the name of your channel on youtube so they can see you well it's fittingly called the slow wardrobe Brilliant. Brilliant. And how about you, Sue? Because I know you've just come back from a, a, a fair, haven't you? A live event. You do a lot of live events. Uh, you're always buzzing when you come back from them. Is that the way, main way that you work, like you get? Yeah, I think it's the main way that we first meet customers. Um, and then they tend to tell their friends. So it's a lot of word of mouth as well. So Obviously, we have our website. A lot of people who come to the events have seen us on Instagram. So there's now quite a few influencers who love our clothes as well, who will tell other people about them. Um, But also, I think we get quite a lot of DMs on Instagram. So it's quite a kind of personal service as well. But obviously, our website, every now and then, people will come by appointment to our headquarters as well. Um, So the initial contact is often an event and actually we're just redoing our website. We're going to be working a little bit more on digital marketing as well because I do actually think it's something we need to do more of. But Instagram actually works really well for us, Instagram and Facebook. That's Um, interesting. So you DM people. It's not cold outreach to people though, is it? No, they will DM me. So the DMs will come direct to me. So quite often, like we have actually on this mannequin, this little pink Patriot skirt at the moment, which we don't have on our website. So sometimes people might see it on our stand. So therefore they will DM, then I can phone them and work out, you know, how they can actually order it. Yeah, that's a really good idea because that also gets them following you and engaging with you when they're not seeing you at the show as well. Yeah, yeah, Mm. yeah. Um, and the other thing is emails, which we don't do enough of. We know that. <laughs> We're working on it. But I do think emails work really well once you've got a really loyal customer base. Um, you've been reading my emails, haven't you, Sue? Because I'm always saying, make sure <laughs> make sure you're doing enough emails. And the, obviously the other thing is also getting in magazines. I mean, that always works. Um, but not for us, not so much a paid ad, but getting editorial. So even if it's just like a little picture in the field magazine or something like that. Yeah. And the the important thing there, I think, is getting into the right magazines where your customers are. Yeah. How about you, Kate? Because you have got this kind of more diverse mixture of customers. What's the main way? I mean, you know, particularly your customers, maybe in the States. How do you go about getting your brand and your products in front of them? 
So uh, for retail, um, social media is really important um, because it's a really good way to kind of um, tell them who we are. It's less about the products and more about us. I mean, there's a certain amount of product, but it's about who we are. There's a small team of us. We work together. Any post with the dog on always gets a huge hit. Um, so it's 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 very useful from that point of view. We do email a fair bit, um, and we also have a paper catalogue, which we find really useful both for trade and for retail. Just we often get a better response from paper than we do from a email offer or something like that. Um, really interesting. So, like the old-fashioned way, yeah, printed because not many people are doing it anymore. And also, sometimes it's just really nice to sit down with a coffee and and a pen and flick through some nice pictures and get some ideas and maybe plan. Sometimes I think you're bombarded when you're kind of just scrolling. Um, you know, you've actually got something you can go back to. So for for us, the catalogue works quite well, but for trade. Our trade account, nothing beats face-to-face. So in lockdown, we couldn't do trade shows. That really um, was challenging to keep the communication going. Um, We've just started going back. For instance, we've just been back to America, had a fantastic show, and the culture there is very definitely face-to-face. So for us, face-to-face trade sales is fundamental, and we do quite a lot of them. That's really good to hear. That's really good because it's much more personal, isn't it, when you're actually seeing people face-to-face and being able to talk to them. And actually all three of you then do face-to-face don't, and offer that personal touch. What well, other – sorry, Kate? Oh, sorry. I was just going to say the thing about face-to-face is it's two-way traffic. It's very easy for social media to be just talking at people. I think the key thing about face-to-face is they're telling you about what they want, what they need, you know, you're, you're listening. Yeah, listening to your customers. That's a really good tip, definitely. And offering them a personal touch as well. Um, what do each of you do as your kind of personal touch for customers that keeps them coming back for more? Linda, do you want to go with that one first? Um, I have a fair number of customers who uh, contact me either Uh, via email or via the social media to get hints and tips about um, how they wear their clothes. Um, I also invite them over to the studio if they they can come here. Um, And if they find that the standard sizes that I offer, like one of the, uh, Sue was mentioning taglines before, one of the taglines that I use is everybody happy and not just in everybody, but every body. So I I do my best to never say no if somebody wants to uh, wear any of the clothes that we make. So if any of our standard sizes don't work, then I offer a, a bespoke um, made-to-measure service where we make fairly simple adaptations to the garments to make sure that they, they fit the, the, the bodies that want to be clothed by us. And that works really, really well. Um, and people don't expect it and absolutely love it that you're willing to go the extra mile and say, we're going to do whatever we can to get you in one of our dresses and, and be happy wearing it. That's brilliant. And do you charge extra for that? Um, in most cases, I don't. 
um, what I've got a loyalty program on the website where if I don't like websites that give a discount when you place your first order, I think that if people are interested to buy, they'll place that first order. And what I like better is to reward loyalty. So um, once you have placed an order for one of our garments, then any follow-up orders that you place a, as a returning customer, you get a standard uh, 10% discount like for life. And what I do in most cases is if somebody wears a bespoke size, then rather than giving that 10% discount, they end up paying the full price. And that goes, it doesn't always completely cover it, but it goes towards covering the extra costs that we make by making that as a bespoke separate garment. Brilliant. That's really good. I love the idea of that, not giving a discount when someone places their, you know, that first order, but when they come back to get them as a returning customer. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, Sue, what do you do as the personal touch? I know that you've told me that you actually pick up the phone and speak to people, don't you? Yes, we do. I mean, I, I kind of feel that at events, we've sort of made friends with a lot of our customers. So at something like the game fair, for example, that we've done year after year, our customers will often come on the first day to say hello, often couples wearing our, and they will come wearing their clothes, you know, to say hello and to find out what's new. So it is, it's just that personal recognition of people um, chatting with them and they always want to have something new because they feel like they are supporting our little British company, but they love their clothes as well. But yes, also, um, I do always encourage people to phone. So if someone DMs me, for example, I'll ask for their phone number and give them a call to discuss the product. Um, and in addition to that, we do offer bespoke clothing. So, for example, recently we've done, there's an amazing photographer called Emma Ziff, who um, she's got like pink eyelashes. So we've just done her a coat, but with like a big pink patriot on the back. So it's very much her. But our bespoke things will always be based on one of our designs, just a kind of derivative of it. So, um, and the other sort of personal touches we will always do is like when we package up a company, we will write a personal note with the parcel, um, which, yeah. you know, just feels right. It takes quite a long time, but um, it's, you know, it just feels right to make that personal connection because often you feel like you know the people. Yeah, so, exactly. Because you're all your companies, you know, are fast growing companies, and you're probably shipping out quite a lot. So you could be using a third party logistics company to do that and probably take yourself a lot of time, but you'd lose that connection. Kate, your business, do you ship anything out by a third party company? Or do you still do it all yourself? No, I get approached a lot by them. Uh, we do it all ourselves. And, and there's a couple of really fundamental reasons on that. One, how it goes out is so important because at the end of the day, it's discretionary expenditure. So which is really grateful that they're still buying from us. And so actually everything is packed nicely. It's got ribbon, it's got a personal note, it's got a thank you. And it's really important that when someone opens that parcel, they just have that ooh, lovely feeling you've got something new. Um, and I just don't think... I think we're the ones who who really think about that and care about it. Um, and also, it, you you pick up stuff. If you do it yourself, you pick up. Oh, they've forgotten to put a, num a 
and address it properly or this doesn't make sense or do they want, you know, you, you, it gives you a chance to really think about what you're doing. So, no, we haven't used a fulfilment house and I don't think we ever will actually. And also, if you're packing it yourself, you're getting the opportunity to see what's being returned, what people are saying that they don't like and they do like. So it gets it helps you to continue to understand who your customer is, doesn't it? Which you would I think lose that. a lot of information if you if you didn't have that, and um, and you you can then always just pick up the phone to your customer and talk to them uh, or email them. Um, I think it's I think it's quite fundamental actually. Yeah, and that's also where small businesses can have the upper hand compared to all the big faceless, big retailers that got multiple stores, big distribution centers, and having that personal touch. Do any of you have any other tips about how you can offer a personal touch to customers? Is there anything else that any of you do that you'd like to give a tip on in terms of personal touch, Kate? <laughs> well, um, I think what Linda was saying as well is about one size actually doesn't fit all. So we, we do lockets, which are made in Birmingham, but, you know, everybody has a different requirement for a chain length. So actually we will do bespoke chains or it's very personal jewellery. So they'll tell us some story about something that's happening in their life and you have to respond to that. So um, actually not sticking to this is how it's come in packed, but actually yes we can change the stone and we can do that and a smaller business can do that in a way a, a bigger one can't and certainly in, in the feedback we get from customers this is why they come to us and not amazon um because actually that's what they're getting it's a sense of i can have exactly what i want not just what you think i should have um and also that's worth paying for mm-hmm. uh, and they like the idea that they're supporting us and all the people in our village who make all our products. So um, I think that's a that's going the extra mile. I think it is. It's really important. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I, I I really agree with the the whole idea of going the extra mile. And um, in in my case, when I was like kind of half jokingly saying, well. Maybe I was my first, my own first ideal customer. If coming from that kind of line of thinking, then I know now from experience that issues that are um, real issues for me in terms of, of how I present myself and what I wear are very similar for a lot of my customers. So, and I talk about that in the, uh, in the podcast. So when it comes to, um, like body issues and shape issues, or even something as as simple as saying, "Well, you know, going through the menopause, you get these hot flushes, and when you were very comfortable in the past wearing wool, you may not be so comfortable now." And you know what? You can dress yourself differently to deal with that. And this is an idea of how you can go towards that, or how you can go about that. So issues that are live for me. I know our life for them and I get a lot of feedback for people saying, I'm so glad you talked about that, but I don't because I don't really know who to talk to or where to go to address this or that issue. And so personalizing even further by sharing some of my own personal opinions and personal issues is yet another step towards making making a connection and 
feeling recognized and making them feel seen and heard. Yeah, I think that you've raised a really interesting point there, Linda, because a lot of people think, okay, my business is growing. I'll outsource some of the marketing or the customer, um, you know, dealing with customers, customer service, and you do lose that personal touch and you lose that feedback. And it is actually you, you know, particularly with you and with Sue as well, I know the, the customers see you as your own brand ambassador at the yeah. forefront of the brand and you'd lose that if someone then took over doing your your marketing and your sales for you. Um, you also raised an interesting point there, Linda, about getting customer feedback. Uh, and I think that's really important, like when you're serving a customer. Have you got, um, maybe Sue, have you got ways that you gather customer feedback that you can recommend to people that, that gives you ideas for new product development or maybe things that you aren't doing so well? Um, we don't have anything formal, um, mostly because I previously haven't been that organised, but actually <laughs> our, um, I would say on our show stands, because we get to know so many of our um, customers personally, they, I talk to them about what they would like next. So, for example, we have had um, one of our first things was fleece line tweed, which we still do. So, for example, we have the fur fly coat and for men, the tweed hoodie. Um, but now our best selling coat, because we just done Burley Horse Trials, the Game Fair and the Yorkshire show, is by far and away the Maud, which was done with customer feedback. So it's got satin lining, fleece in the hood beautiful shape I have to say um and just looks amazing on everyone who puts it on so that was directly done obviously designed it but with with customer feedback about functional requirements really and with big pockets you know with fleece lining so it just feels good when you put it on um so we are always asking our customers you know what what they would like next really um mm -hmm. Yeah, so, so I mean, that's worked incredibly well with that coat. Um, so just introducing the satin lining as an option has, has sort of made a big difference. Um, yeah, so, and we get quite a lot of feedback when people receive their clothes. Um, they will often send an email to say how delighted they are with it. And could I then design them something to wear for crofts, for example? You know, so they might buy something off the peg to start with and then get you know go a little bit more elaborate how so. do you decide though what is one person requesting it that no one else is going to want and or that's something that someone's requested that you know that the majority of your customers would like yeah I think it's instinct really I think it's you know you kind of get obviously um you get to know your brand you get to know your customers um generally so what I normally do is we normally make a prototype actually take it to an event and trial it out so that coat we trialed out and we knew it was an immediate hit when we did it last year um it also has teflon milled through so it's weatherproof so the latest things we're trialing are this pink skirt and we've done a new poncho that can be converted into a scarf and with a detachable faux fur collar so but that's not been launched yet. So we're kind of getting feedback at the events, like live feedback. Um, yeah, and of course, you couldn't do that. I mean, a lot of your events are in the summer, aren't they? But your product is predominantly winter 
wind, wind yeah. wave. Uh, you couldn't yeah. do that if you weren't making in the UK either because you'd have too long a lead time to be able to then turn that around after the shows. Uh, and I think we're lucky in that we have our own makers. So, you know, like if I come up with an idea, we can just go, boom, that's a really good idea, let's do it, rather than having to go through a massive long process. Um, so we can kind of, you know, make something fairly quickly and an idea. Whereas mm -hmm. if we were sending it abroad, for example, um, it would take a really long time to, to kind of come back. So we can kind of turn things, ideas around quite quickly. You do the same, don't you, Linda? You make a lot in-house as well. Yeah, yeah. And it's now um, um, more of a, a combination of making in-house and, and out-of-house. But the in-house production means that, just like Sue says, you can turn things around really quickly. Um, or um, one of the things that she mentioned was, that Sue just mentioned, was taking something to a show and get feedback. One of the things that I do is making a sample of something, presented and wearing at the podcast, and putting it out for uh, as a pre-order. So people can order the garment, then we make them all in-house and send them out a couple of weeks later. So it's a made-to-order kind of thing that also doesn't just give us feedback about whether a, a, um, a garment is going to be popular, or not, but it also um, um, is a like a, a real vote of confidence from our customers whether a new design, from their perspective, fits in with their existing wardrobe. Yeah, again, something you couldn't do if you weren't making in the UK. Absolutely true. Uh, and Kate, how about you? Because you've got a diverse range of different products. So do you get any customer feedback about what you're going to develop new? Um. On the retail side, yes, they definitely um, uh, come to us and say, well, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that. And if is there something that crops up a, a fair amount and we can seal from sales trends, then we'll, we might look at that. I think there's slightly a danger if you're a design-led business that, that you don't just want to be too reactive. You do need to be thinking to yourself as well about where you feel the, the trends are and what you want to be looking at. But on the trade side of things, yes, if they are asking for product and they're starting to think in a certain way, then, um, yeah, we do react to that. But if it's if it's something I'm looking for this now for me now, then we'll probably sort it out there and then. Um, it's really in terms of coming into the main collection, that will probably be from a, a trade customer looking for something particular. Are you ready to finally master your manufacturing and create profitable UK-made products? If so, I've got an exclusive training just for you. This training is for businesses that make in the UK or want to and who are interested in working with me in our British Brand Accelerator for creative small business owners who want to develop and sell profitable UK-made products. If your application is accepted, you'll receive a copy of my exclusive free private training on how to develop profitable UK-made products with ease. In the training, I go through my exact three-part framework that we use to help our clients successfully launch and grow their UK-made brands. And I'll show you exactly how it works along with all kinds of examples. 
I'll also explain everything you need to know about the accelerator to ensure that we can truly help you to get the results that you're looking for. To apply for an invite to the British Brand Accelerator and get a copy of the training, go to katehills.co.uk forward slash apply. Let me ask you ladies as well, do you have any other tips for how you build customer loyalty and how you get repeat customers? Because I think a lot of people, you know, you, you can have that first customer that may not be that profitable. It's only when they come back as repeat customers that you start to, and getting loyal customers that you start to have a really profitable business. What tips would you give as to how to get your customers coming back for more to your business rather than going to one of your competitors? Linda, do you want to take that one first? Yeah, well, one of the one of the things, surprisingly, really, especially from a small business perspective, is repetition. You need to be coming back a number of times to get people's attention. It's not just enough to show them something once. They are being shown and told um, and sent a lot of information from a lot of different sources. And showing them something once and then thinking, well, I've already shown them this or I've already talked about that. I better not do it again. That's a real typical mistake for small businesses. It's like, don't be afraid to repeat. And, you know, that's repeating the same message or repeating the same product in a different color, for example. But repetition is um, a, a really helpful, also from the customer's perspective, tool to get their attention and, and, and keep their attention. And again, if I go back to myself, sometimes I'll look at something three or four times before I actually decide to buy it, especially if it's a more expensive item or garment. So repetition is the the one word I can uh, summarize that with. And I think that's true now more than ever, as people find it are going to be spending a little bit longer, I think, making decisions about whether to spend their cold, hard cash when they've got other things that they're worrying about and they've got to spend their money on. So actually being forefront of people's minds and not being afraid to show them the same thing, like I say, again and again and repeating and repeating old favorites um, as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sue, do you have any tips for how you get your customers to come back repeatedly? Um, I don't think I really overthink it, to be honest, but um, I would say that we end up with some of our products are kind of like what they view as must-have products. So we had someone after the Yorkshire show, we did the game fair just over a week after, and she said she'd been dreaming about it. So she literally came on with the clothes to go with the skirt that she bought and then wore it all around the game fair, which um, was great. So, so to her, it was a must-have item, and she was a repeat customer. Um, and I think some of our customers really you know, they will save up to have our clothes. So again, what Linda's saying is that like keeping it in the mind. So, um, mm. and we have, we have some great people who put themselves on Instagram wearing our clothes. We have a new website coming out actually, and we will have a hashtag. I'm not quite sure what it's going to be yet, like wearing Morden Fox, for example, and then it will go onto our little Instagram grid. So again, I think it's really important for people to see other people looking really happy in your clothes. Um, well, for us anyway, it's one of our things that everyone has, is all our customers seem to be very happy, fun people. So 
they kind of sell it. If they come on our stands, they start selling it to other people, our loyal customers. So, um, yeah, and repeat couples is another thing. Couples are really um, the Malden Fox couple. They will kind of talk each other into buying something, which is great. But I never push a sale. I want people to genuinely love their clothes, you know, so they will come back because they love it. Um, yeah. So that's me not overthinking it, but I obviously think about it a bit. <laughs> I love that. So you're using other cu- happy customers to refer refer you refer their friends to you. And I suppose also because you do do a lot of shows and you get the same people, I would imagine, going to Burley as the game fair, then they see each other as well time and time again and they've got that stamp of approval that they're part of the Morden Frocks. Crime. Yeah, and we, we took part of in a um, fashion show last, uh, when was that, in, earlier on this year in York. So a lot of the people in that were like um, the kind of country influencers. So again, they will then put themselves on Instagram or whatever and people see them, but they love wearing them. You know, I think it's really important that people feel great in the clothes. So, you know, that is a kind of, so you want yeah. Mm. Plus, your co- clothes always look really cuddly and furry and warm. They are. Cozy. Yes, and flattering. I think it's really important that they're flattering. And like Linda was saying earlier, obviously everyone's different sizes. So I've had many a big curtain tape measure out, measuring large men and that kind of thing. You know, so they w- they want to come back and order something because they love having something made that actually fits. Mm. You know, that is another aspect, really. Back to that personal touch again, isn't it? And then, Kate, how about you? What what other ideas do you have about how you get customers coming back? You obviously have your printed catalogue, which I absolutely love. And how many times a year do you send that, by the way? Um, um, do anything else that, like that? Yeah, we've, we've done the catalogue twice a year. I mean... There's this phrase, isn't there? You you don't get a, a second chance to make a first impression. Actually, I think the key thing about retaining customers is is having a really good first experience, um, and I think that that goes a long way so that they feel safe buying from you, and and they know they're going to get a good experience. They know the product's going to be what they expected. Um, and if there is a problem that you sort it out, I think that's really, I think, I think it's taking away the uncertainty. They've got so much choice, so many websites that they can choose to buy from. Um, then, then actually, because I tend to not be face-to-face selling for retail, then I think it's really important that they have that confidence that it's all going to go okay. And if there is an issue, like, I don't know, goes missing in the post, sort it out no questions mm. and I think that's probably usually we find people coming back say I did an order before and you were really helpful so I'm I'm going to do it again and and actually that's the most important thing getting people back but we are talking all the time you know we're sending emails out we're on social media um you know we're changing the collection so there's this constant communication Mm-hmm. And the and the buying seasons come along, Christmas, birthdays, anniversaries, Mother's Day. There's always a need. <laughs> there is. Constant communication. I think that is a that is a really good one. You've had so many um fantastic tips um 
that you've uh, that you've given everyone here. But I think constant communication, the personal touch, doing things for people that are bespoke, um, that are slight adaptations of what you already do, but that make people feel special because they're getting something more bespoke. Um, that you don't use anyone else to ship out your products. Uh, and that you keep you you do face to face interaction with your customers whenever you possibly can as well. Linda, Sue, and Kate, can you just let everyone know where they can find you to pop over to your website so they can they can um, experience your supreme customer service firsthand? Linda, tell everyone where they can best find you. Okay, well, the website is theslowwardrobe.co.uk. And YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, it's all The Slow Wardrobe. Same everywhere. Brilliant. And then over to you, Sue. Where can everyone find you? Yeah, so our website is moredandfox.com. Um, you can link into our Instagram and uh, off there. Um, so we're also on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter, actually. So we're at moredandfox on all of those. And all the details of all the shows that you're doing are on your website as well. Uh, right? They're on our website. We don't do a humongous number of shows. We just do really quite big ones now. So we've got uh, our next one will be Cheltenham Races in November, if anyone wants to come along. <laughs> Brilliant. And Kate, finally, where can people find Lime Tree Design? So um, our retail site is limetreedesign.com and uh, there's an Instagram feed on there. We also do Facebook, Twitter, um, a whole range of things. And then our trade site is Lime Tree Collection. Brilliant. Or at various different shows throughout the year as well. Yeah. So we, we, we're out and about. We do top draw this weekend. Good luck. How exciting. Gosh, that's come around quick. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, all three of you, for joining me today. You've been absolutely amazing. Thank you for everyone that tuned in. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Friday, plus there's bonus episodes occasionally. Many of the interviews that you hear on series four of this podcast are also available to watch on our YouTube channel. You can find it by going to youtube.com forward slash make it British LTD. That's Make It British with the letters LTD. Bye-bye.